Thank you, Dan and uh, Lulu, for your playing. Those hymns wonderfully, I think, primed the pump for our theme tonight of reflecting on friendship uh, in the book of Proverbs. And I suppose if I was, uh, well, we're going to think about this at two levels, but really three levels. So uh, reflecting through on the theme of, uh, of friendship, one question is what kind of friends should I be looking for? And then the other question is, what kind of friend should I be? Okay, so you're looking for the character of the people that you're surrounding yourself with, but you're also thinking, okay, what kind of character do I need to be developing to be a good friend? But then really the third level, um, if I was preaching this, I would probably you know, sort of save the, the punch for the end. But uh, uh, Proverbs 18.24, one of the key Proverbs we're going to look at, a man of many companions comes to ruin. So, you know, you have a million Facebook friends, but it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And it points us ahead to Christ, who, uh, as Bert preached on last week from John 15, he said, I no longer call you servants, but friends. That's the, sort of the culmination of the gospel. So keeping that kind of as the broad horizon as well as we think through this. Uh, let's pray as we begin to reflect on this, and then we'll look at a number of Proverbs together. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the good gift of friendship, that you give us friends in the church and out of the church, but even more that you came to earth as a man so that you might be our friend. May we uh, both be wise and discerning in who we uh, give influence in our lives and who we are friends with, and may we also be shaped to be good friends like Christ Jesus himself uh, through the wisdom of Proverbs. Amen. Well, the first thing uh, is just how important friendship is. How important friendship is. I don't think, at least to me, I, I read three quarters of a book on friendship this week, actually thinking about this, a Christian book, and, and really driving home how important friendship is. So we just read Proverbs 18.24, a man of many companions comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Okay, that hits us home, but think about in ancient Israel, it's a very family-oriented society. Oftentimes you'd be farming the same land with your parents and your brothers. These are the people you spend all day with. Uh, and it's saying, actually, fr there's friends and friendship that can be even deeper than that family relationship of, uh, of, of two brothers. How do we think of friends? I, th I think, uh, you know, reading this book and reflecting, I probably fall into this, that the default is friends are kind of an add-on. Okay, you need a good career, you need a house, you want your kids to do well, and if you can have some friends, that's kind of a nice add-on to, to do, right? Uh, a, a sort of a, a, a cherry on top of life, that sort of a thing, if you can find some friends. Uh, but certain, and then certainly Facebook doesn't help with the idea of friending people, turning friending into a verb, and yet um, friending someone is a pretty low-key commitment. Um, oftentimes it's like, I don't really want this person to have my phone number, and so, well, let's just become friends on Facebook, and you can contact me that way, right? It's like kind of keeping people at arm's distance, and I, I think it sort of lowers the whole idea of friendship. But I was uh, surprised just reading this week and reflecting, uh, this is not the dominant view historically. So even amongst uh, non-Christian philosophers, Plato and Aristotle held friendship as sort of the culmination of human life. So for Aristotle, friendship is central to ethics. 
And so his ethics, you may know, is all about, uh, uh, called virtue ethics, developing the virtues in your own life. But the virtues are about being the kind of person who is a good friend to others and looking for others who are virtuous to have influence on you. So for, for Aristotle, uh, ethics and human life, uh, friendship is kind of the culmination of that. And I think that there's good evidence that the Bible is much closer to Aristotle and Plato than to our modern view of friends as a sort of add-on. Uh, so remember in Luke 20 and parallel gospel passages, the Sadducees try to stump Jesus with this sort of hypothetical scenario about a man, uh, no, what is it, a woman who marries a man and he dies, and then she marries all the seven brothers. And the question is, in heaven, who's she going to be married to? And does anyone remember, how does Jesus respond? Yeah, you remember, Abram? None of them? Yep, that's getting at it. Uh, none of them for a specific reason. Do you guys remember the specific reason? Lulu does. You were nodding your head anyways. <laughs> yeah, that uh, in some way there's neither, be like angels, neither uh, giving in marriage or being married. Um, and marriage I, uh, is an important relationship, obviously. And yet Jesus seems to be saying it's temporally bounded. That there's something on marriage in this life that points beyond to the next life, and yet there's a temporal binding, uh, you know, a, a limit to it. And so in marriage, uh, it's a serious relationship, and so we enter into it through covenant vows. And yet, what is the covenant vow? How long does marriage last? The next 10 years? Till death do us part. It's recognizing that at death, there's some kind of a severance of that relationship, although, of course, there's still an ongoing element of that relationship as well. Uh, and I think I would argue the friendship element is what continues in heaven. And yet Jesus also says in, in, in John 15 that Bert preached on last week, uh, I no longer call you servants, but friends. It's the culmination of the gospel, is moving beyond a, uh, a, a Lord and servant relationship to a friend relationship with God. Uh, and so uh, one theologian says heaven is a, is a uh, world filled with friends friends with each other, friends with God. It's a world filled with friendship. Uh, and so perhaps in the church, at times we have overemphasized marriage to the um, detriment of friendship and thinking about how important friendship is. And certainly with all the sort of um, uh, debates around marriage and all those sorts of things, yes, there needs to be an answer. Yes, there needs to be good, well thought through um, theological reflection on the nature of marriage and why marriage is one man, one woman, all those sorts of things, why cohabitation isn't marriage, all those sorts of things. That's good and proper, and so we teach on those things here as well. And yet, so much attention has been spent to that, and at the same time, we live in a pandemic of friendship. Uh, uh, that's not the quite a drought, some kind of a, you know, sort of, a sort of public emergency of friendship that uh, despite all the social networks, most adults say they have less friends than previous generations would say. Uh, in this book um, that I was reading, he, uh, he recounts hearing his farmer grandfather when he was quite young saying a man has six friends that he can really count on. And when he was young, he thought that seems so few. And then now as an adult, he's saying, how did grandpa have six <laughs> good friends that he could really depend on? Um, okay, so that's big picture. Uh, practically, Proverbs spends a lot of time uh, talking about friendship in different ways. Uh, in our early years, the primary shaper of who we are is our family. 
uh, right? It, our parents, our siblings, that's the primary shaper. But from middle teens onward, we are predominantly shaped by friends and coworkers. And you don't really get to pick coworkers, but you do have some degree of control over who you are friends with. And so you might recall from last summer, uh, when it was this hot and we were going through Proverbs 1 through 9 in the morning, there was lots of warnings to the young son or, or the young man to be careful about what crowd he falls in with, to be careful about who has influence on him because it is such a, a, a massive shaping factor. A man of many companions may come to ruin. Okay, this sort of loose, yeah, I've got a bunch of companions. They're easily made. That man can come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I think this proverb, in the first instance, yes, it does point us forward to Christ, the, the friend who is closer than a brother. But in the first instance, it's saying this sort of loose companionship. Yeah, I've got a lot of friends. But when the going gets tough, are they really going to be someone you can count on? Or when you're doing something kind of knuckleheaded that you shouldn't, are they going to call you out on it? Do they have that kind of access to you? And this kind of friendship that the Proverbs are talking about, a friend that's closer than a brother, it requires intentionality. Okay? It doesn't just happen by chance. It takes time. Again, this book I'm reading, uh, he cites some kind of a secular uh, study that estimates it takes 200 hours to make a close friend. You spend 200 hours with someone else, okay? Uh, we are finite beings. We have jobs, we have church obligations, we have uh, uh, children, family obligations, gardens that need tended, okay? You cannot invest 200 hours even in every person in this room, let alone, you know, if you're on Facebook, your 100 Facebook friends. Uh, the reality is this kind of intentional deep friendship, closer than a brother, takes time, it takes work, it doesn't happen by chance. Again, intentionality, it's a bit different than other relationships, okay? Your family, for better or worse, you get no choice over. Uh, you, you have the siblings you have, you have the parents you have, and that's part of how God shapes us, is that there's some relationships we don't have control over, but then there's other relationships we do have control over. Marriage, uh, romance, it kind of falls in the middle, okay? Uh, you do have a choice over who you marry, and yet in the moment it doesn't necessarily feel like that, and so we describe it as falling in love. Okay, I mean, that sounds like, you know, I tripped and fell and now I'm in love that I didn't, you know, there is this sense that you're overwhelmed uh, by that sort of uh, attraction. Uh, but friendship, it takes time, it takes intention. And we see this in Jesus. Okay, how did Jesus change the world? Well, he taught 5,000, he taught 4,000, uh, he did all sorts of things like that. But his main strategy was, I'm going to pick 12 guys 12 guys that I'm going to spend the next three years with. And that's how my message is going to get out. That's how this is going to get. And it's not even a message. You know, it's not learning the um, uh, uh, Tupperware spiel. It's not like, okay, go door to door and give this kind of a spiel. But it's saying, you know, close, life on life, intimate friendship over three years. You're going to be shaped by me as your friend. And then you go out and shape other people as friends. And that's kind of what we see, isn't it? Think of Paul's letters at the end. He has these lists of greetings, all these people he's greeting. The way he talks about other churches that he's been away from, that it's, he yearns for them, he's homesick for them. I'm trying to remember, I wrote Proverbs 27, uh, 9 is our second proverb. 
Okay, it's important, it's intentional, but it's also worth it. Proverbs 27.9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, although Jack apparently is anti-oil, I heard earlier. <laughs> oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. It is a sweetness in friendship and in their good counsel that's like oil or perfume. Okay, uh, just one more kind of general comment on friendship and then four characteristics we get from the book of Proverbs. Uh, friendship, this is going back to Aristotle, but then C.S. Lewis, if you've read his book, The Four Loves, when he talks about friendship, make this point that friendship is about something. Okay, friendship is about something. The, tip, the romance relationship is face-to-face. -face, okay, the sort of uh, archetypal romance, you go out to dinner, you sit across the table from each other and you stare into each other's eyes and that's romance, right? Okay, but what does friendship look like? It's not face to face, but it's side to side. Okay, so friendship is you sit in a fishing boat and you both stare out at the water for six hours and maybe you don't even have to talk to each other and it's a perfect relationship, right? That's, that's kind of, friendship is side to side. It's about something. It's about fishing. It's about hiking. It's about Zelda, you know, whatever this, this common, uh, common thing that you share in common. You discover that uh, C.S. Lewis describes it as being like a line or a thread that you start talking to a person, you find out, oh, that thread is in you too. You also uh, uh, respond to that. Um, I, I know our church seems to be pretty high on the Tolkien uh, level of people like Tolkien, but it's like, you know, kind of when you're around the world, people are like, yeah, Tolkien, what, Lord of the Rings, take it or leave it. But then when you f meet someone else and they're like, yeah, I love Tolkien too. I also read it regularly. You think, okay, you, you get it. You get it. You connect. Uh, and there's that sort of uh, connection in friendship. Well, for Aristotle, he said friendship's about something, and ultimately what it's about is the good, the good life. That's what we're both aiming towards. And in a sense, Aristotle's getting about as far as a non-Christian can get. But Christianity comes along and it says, actually, you can go farther. This Aristotle, it's a little bit more complicated because he says, strangely enough, the pinnacle of human life is friendship, but God doesn't have friends because he's just this unmoved mover and doesn't want to have personal relationships. Well, okay, so he got part way. Christians come along and they say, that's not right. God comes in Christ and says, I no longer call you servants, but friends. That God, it's all about being friends with God. Okay, uh, so he reframes it in that way. But then trickling down, you can say, we can say it's not just the good in abstract, but it's ultimately God. And when I, uh, you know, I'm friends with uh, uh, Ben. And so then when I met Ben's brother Gabe a few months ago, it's like, okay, here's someone that I'm inclined to like because I'm already friends with Ben and this is someone Ben likes. And in the same way, uh, you know, if, if I am friends with God, then everybody that God cares about Everyone else that's friends with God, we're sort of linked into this common relationship that it's at least, okay, it's a friend of a friend. Uh, our kids don't love this, but one of the things we try to do on vacation is go to other churches so that they can kind of get this idea that like, okay, yeah, these people are a little bit weird, but they also worship God and we can, and we can you know, we have commonality. Uh, and the thought being when they go off to college to say like, okay, it's not, you know, it's a little weird going to a different church, but it's, it's doable. Okay. Um, Okay, let's pause there. Any comments on friendship so far? Well, yeah, one Nate. thing, just, uh, I just went through the four loves with my students. Okay. Uh, setting up for Romeo and Juliet, which has been interesting. <laughs> uh, but kind of to your point, it's interesting. C.S. Lewis talks about, like, so there's intentionality. You're side by side, but you can't just, like, go out and be like, I'm going to make friends today. 
Like he says, the man who goes out with the goal of making friends is going to come back disappointed and lonely. Yeah. So like it's always something else. There's yeah there's some other thing that unites. Yeah, that's right. And he says uh, he's actually a little bit harsh at that point, isn't he? Because he says the the person who's going around always just saying I just want a friend is there's something a little pathetic about them, and it's not initially attractive <laughs> to them as a friend. So it's saying yeah yeah friendship is about gardening. It's about hiking. It's about Parenting, you know, there's something that you connect over. Um, yeah, yeah, great. Okay, four characteristics of friendship um, from Proverbs, and it's Derek Kidner, but I've kind of reworked it slightly so that they're all four C's. I'm pretty proud of myself for this. Four C's. Uh, friends are constant, candid, con- cognizant, and, and they give counsel. I guess that one doesn't, it's not the same type of word, but they're all C's anyways, that's good enough. Okay, four characteristics of friendship. Uh, again, friendship is intentional, it takes time. This is what it looks like. Friends are constant. First, uh, first, let's touch down in, in chapter 19, verses 6 and 7. If you don't want to look these up, I'll read them. Many, uh, uh, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll start in 19, verse 4. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. And then verses 6 and 7, uh, 19, 6 and 7. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. All a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with words, but, they, uh, but does not have them. And then likewise in 20 verse 6, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. Okay, what's the point Proverbs is, is making? Is that finding a constant friend... A faithful friend is not easy, okay? If you're well off, there's all sorts of people that are happy to be your friend. Uh, If you hand out lots of gifts, it's an easy way to make friends. But when the going gets tough, they're not there. They're they're, they're so-called friends, uh, uh, but not really steadfast friends. On the other hand, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. You know, in contrast to these friends who are sticking around because uh, uh, so many relationships in your life, both you or the other person, it's because it helps you in some way. Okay? Um, a lot of people you're friends with because they uh, have access to something you need, because they make you feel better, because they, you know, whatever it is. Or you have relationships with coworkers that are... Um, uh, you know, help you get a promotion or whatever those sorts of things are. They have some skill set that you need to learn from them, so you have a relationship with them. So many of our relationships are, are utilitarian in that sense, that it serves a function. But Proverbs says a true friend, a friend loves at all times. So it's in contrast to those relationships that just serve a purpose. They love at all times. But it actually draws another contrast. And a brother is born for adversity. Saying, you know what, uh, if I have a house fire, you know, I come home tonight and I find out that my house had a fire, I can call my brother and I know that my brother will be there. But it doesn't necessarily mean my brother always likes me, okay? Uh, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean I always like him. I mean, my brother and I, we do get, get on well. But, uh, and actually, I have t- three brothers. And, and all of them, in a jam, I could call and trust, and, and my sister as well. But it doesn't necessarily mean they're the person I always want to spend time with. But it's saying a friend, it's not, they're not just there in adversity, but they love at all times. They love at all times. 
what, how does that happen? How do we develop constancy? What, what's required to be a constant friend? Grace, there you go. Yeah, grace is a great one. Proximity. Proximity, yeah. Closeness, I, I, I called that availability, but yeah, this, uh, and time. It takes time, uh, being constant. You know, a, a kind of relationship that you, takes 15 minutes once a year, you know, that send a Christmas letter, something like that, that's not constant. It takes time to be constant. Second, a, a, a true friend is candid, is candid. Uh, 27, 5, and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Not necessarily what we want to hear, but a, a, a true friendship is frank and open. Okay? Uh, uh, someone that you have a relationship with, but they're never going to tell you when you're doing something you ought not to, or you're never going to tell them. I mean, that, that's hard work to confront someone uh, and to do it with. I mean, it's easy work to confront someone that's a jerk and tell them off, uh, dress them down. That's, you know, people do that all the time. But to, in love with someone you care about, get involved and confront them and know that there's going to be blowback and yet know that it's the right thing to do. That's hard, hard work. Uh, and so faithful are the wounds of a friend. Your enemy will kiss you. They'll blow steam. They'll be a yes man. Yeah, this is all great. But your friend will even wound you with hard words, uh, perhaps even more than hard words, uh, if, if necessary. Um, yeah, anyways. Uh, better is open rebuke than hidden love. The idea there is uh, it's better to have someone speak, um, uh, maybe to say it the other way around. Love that's hidden, that doesn't actually act in any way. Love that never leads to confrontation if necessary. It doesn't manifest in rebuking words if necessary. You know, you can say, I, I, I love that person, but if you're not willing to call them out when they need it or to come alongside them, it's better open rebuke than love that doesn't ever give voice. Thoughts on that? Do you have people in your life that can speak candidly to you and you listen to them? I, I, I live with them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, uh, okay, so friends are constant. That takes time. It means availability, uh, openness. Uh, they're candid. I guess that's the same idea of openness. Uh, uh, there's transparency there. Uh, you can have frank and open conversation. That, that, and that's not saying every single person you know you need to have that kind of level with, but there should be six people, a handful of people in your life that you're developing that kind of uh, level of friendship with. The third thing then is cognizant. And sorry, that's kind of a big word, but I'm trying to find a good C. You'll see the idea here in a second. Uh, 2520, 2520. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day 
and like vinegar on soda. What's it saying here? Uh, you know, if your friend is grieved, or you're grieved, or, or um, uh, feeling despair, anxiety, and your friend is just singing, singing songs, you know, whistling, not a care in the world, uh, it's grating. It's saying it's like taking off your, your puffer coat on a zero degree day. Or it's like pouring vinegar on soda and you know, all the bubbling up reaction to that kind of thing. That is, uh, uh, singing together with a friend when you're both on the same page is lovely. But your friend singing joyful songs uh, when you are grieving is grating. Likewise, uh, 2714 is a funny one, um, if I wrote down the right proverb. 2714, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice. Is that a good thing to do, to bless your neighbor? Okay, yeah, blessing your neighbor. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing, okay? <laughs> you may want your neighbor to bless you, but if they're shouting blessings through your window at 5 a.m. when you're trying to sleep, uh, that is not well-received. Okay, cognizant. This is what I'm saying. You've got to be on the same wavelength. Okay? Yeah, Dan. Uh, just, just an example. A lovely fellow. Who, uh, we, we really appreciated his phone calls, but not at 5.30. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and that's, that's exactly gets at the, the idea that friendship, it not only means um, constant and being available, but recognizing uh, Dan apparently is not wanting to take phone calls at 5.30 in the morning, okay? Uh, but someone else, I mean, Albert's a pretty early riser. He may, not, uh, he may not want to be on the phone then. He's saying, no, don't call, never mind. <laughs> but you, you get to know your, your friends, you know their rhythms, okay? They're an early riser, they're going to be happy to be greeted by a loud blessing. Or maybe they like a little bit more sleep in the morning and that's going to be counted as cursing. Same thing with the, with the, the singing. You need to be on the same, uh, the same wavelength as your friends. There's, a, there's this level of um, uh, compatibility uh, uh, or sort of maybe a common sense that develops over time with friends. Um, Proverbs has other, uh, there's some other Proverbs I didn't write down, but about um, uh, mocking someone and then they say, well, I'm only joking, that sort of thing. And, and if, it's, if it's hurting to someone and then you just try and play it off, uh, you know, you might have some friends you can rib like that and other friends you can't. You need to have uh, cognizance, this sort of um, uh, commiserate understanding between friends. Uh, constant, candid, cognizant, and then the last is friendship involves counsel. Friendship involves counsel, okay? It's, it's sharing wisdom with each other. Uh, two proverbs in chapter 27 on this. 27.9 Oil, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend, we already reflected on a deep friend, it's sweet like oil and perfume, but specifically the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. From his earnest counsel. And then 2717, this famous proverb, uh, I know the gym by LC is, has this big sign up, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Okay, it's not actually talking about bench pressing. Sorry, whatever that gym is in. <laughs> Linda there, but uh, it's saying uh, there is space for a healthy clash of personalities. To have differences and to come together in a loving way that that actually leads towards growing wisdom. Uh, uh, and as an example of this, um, the theologian Herman Bavinck, uh, early 20th century theologian, 
His best friend in college converted to Islam, went off to the Middle East and converted to Islam. And Babink stayed friends with him his whole life and they wrote letters back and forth the whole time. And this friendship with someone that had radically different views than him uh, helped Babink to not be insular, but to have a sense of like, okay, this is what it looks like when the Christian faith is shared with someone that's radically different. Uh, and I'm not saying that our closest friends who have the most influence on us, we should find non-Christians. I don't know if that would be wise, but having friendships with non-Christians helps us to think through what it looks like to live our faith in the modern world, how to share our faith well. Um, so sometimes I try things out on my brother via text who's not a Christian, and, and sometimes I find out things go over well, and sometimes they don't so well, but he's my brother, so he's stuck with me, so that's kind of a good, you know, but that's sort of having, having non-Christian friends is, is an important part of, uh, of this as well, iron sharpening iron. Also, Christian friends as well. Uh, I, I suppose just, I, I should say in general, in the increasingly polarizing world we live in, staying friends with people that you disagree with, iron sharpens iron, okay? Uh, Craig, did you have any thoughts on friendship? Put you on the spot. I warned Craig ahead of time. He's a principal. He deals with friends all the time. He sent, he sent me a text. That was his warning. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell him that because no one's going to open my text for next week. <laughs> if you didn't have thoughts, that's fine. But. being guided by truths in relationships. One truth is enjoying being with your friend yeah. and affirming that person and being affirmed with who you are, your personality, you know, you being enjoyed and you enjoying someone else. Yeah. And that's a good thing. That should never, though, that truth and that comfort should never overwhelm the truth that God, the absolute truth of God. Yeah. And the two can come into conflict. Yeah. And teenagers, I think, are wrestling with that. Yeah. I want to be affirmed. Um, and there's that draw toward the affirmation of a friend. Yeah. But that, that can pull away from, yeah. from what, what God expects. And that's why it's, it's not just a, it's not a teenage thing, it's a, it's a, it's a human thing. Yeah. Colleagues, you know, you're, 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 yeah. If you're on a, you know, I've heard many, many stories about friends who are in a sales force, and when they go off to court clients, they they start engaging in things with their friends that are not appropriate. Yeah, and um, and that that's where you're drawn away. Yeah. Um, so just that the affirming of two truths. Yeah. And making sure that that one prevails. Yeah. That, yeah, that, no, that's a really helpful way of framing it. That um, we enjoy other people because they are also made by God. And so that's even an aspect of God's truth. And um, there's aspects of some of you that I don't know how to enjoy, but, but maybe someone else in this room does. And, that's, and there's aspects of me that you guys don't enjoy. And that's, that's the way it is. But, but, but that sort of connecting with someone that you, you affirm each other, and yet at the same time, that can pull away. And, and you're right. Uh, I think that a lot of times um, the temptation towards an affair, uh, if you're in the trenches parenting, you're at home, you know, there's messes everywhere, kids are screaming, all that kind of stuff, and then you go to work and everybody acts professional and people appreciate you and they you know, treat you nicely. And then it's like, well, yeah, I can understand why, uh, why there might be a draw away from, uh, you know, when you're in the trenches with your spouse. And, and anyways, if you see what I'm saying there. Um, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks. That's, that's, a, that's a helpful way to frame it, of, of 
Um, the joy that we have, the pleasure in another person is, is truth, but it can't overwrite that. Yeah. Other thoughts on friendship before we come into the end here? Yeah, Dan. Well, one, of the, uh, one of the saddest things to see is, because as, as Craig was saying, we, we seek affirmation. Yeah. So, so we naturally gravitate to those whose words are sweet yeah. to us. And to, in a sense, uh, just, well, it's like eating sweets. Like, it, it's not good. Uh, your vegetables. Yeah. And a, and a good friend gives you your vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's right. This whole idea of iron sharpens iron. Some of these, uh, the um, uh, friend, true friends are candid. And we live in an era where it's easier to just cut someone off if they challenge you on something and, and, and keeping those friendships open. Um, yeah, thanks, guys. These are great thoughts. Uh, as, we, as we pull it together, then, just the, the applications are twofold. One is uh, friendship doesn't happen by, or maybe three. Friendship is important, okay? Proverbs stresses friendship is important. It shapes us, it's part of the purpose of life. But it doesn't just happen by accident. It takes intentionality, it takes work, it takes time. So the first challenge is it, it, develop friendships. If you have friends, put, put energy into those, put work into those. Uh, if you need to find friends, that's not easy to do, especially for adults, uh, kids. High school students, this is a great time to make friends, uh, but try and make good friends because uh, it's hard to make friends later in life. Uh, so that's, that's the one application. But then the other one is the, the most fundamental friendship, uh, John 15, that we've already talked about a few times of, I no longer call you servants, but friends. Okay? And that friendship as well takes time and energy. Okay? Christ is always constant in his friendship with us. We are inconstant, and yet we need to grow in our constancy in our relationship with Christ. It takes time and availability. You know, it takes time to, in prayer, uh, reading God's word, those sorts of things. Uh, candidness. We need to allow God's word to challenge us. Okay? Um, I, I have a... Um, well, never mind. Uh, I, uh, and then uh, co cognizant and, and counsel. We need to take counsel well from, from God's word. Uh, and, and in our prayer life as well. So um, those are the applications, is that we have this friend who is more faithful than a brother, uh, whose wounds are better than uh, kind words, his correction. And so we need to lean into that friendship even most fundamentally. Let's turn then to our time of prayer together.